0: This is Critical Nonsense, our high lowbrow show about culture, science, and tech. This week, special guest Amanda Medina asks us about the lengths we go for our pets.
1: I was going to sing something from Jimmy's Chip, Chicken Shack, but uh, I thought better of it. This is what a Joey sounds like, and this is what and executive producer and linguist jess vander sounds like
0: hi this is jess
1: and this is what a special guest and prime minister of fitness for the state of new jersey <laughs> oh, amanda <laughs> medina sounds like
2: hello there
1: <laughs> we have a special guest this week and we're going to get into her topic but we do have In what has been maybe the messiest topic that we've ever covered, a little bit of housekeeping around, you guessed it, chicken tenders.
0: It's tendies again, folks.
1: The debate and feedback that we continue to get around the chicken tenders episode is seemingly limitless. Uh, We have a couple angles. There are actually articles written uh, over multiple spans of time A restaurant in my hometown of Manchester, New Hampshire, claims the invention of the chicken tender, and it's in like USA Today articles (laughs) and things. So maybe I come from the capital of chicken tenders after all, one. Jess, would you like to discuss some of the debates that you've been having around chicken tenders?
0: Yes, I'll have you all know that uh, in the last 24 hours, there has been much ado about what the tender is in the way that we had discussed, you know, a boneless wing is not a wing, is a tender, a tenderloin. And there were several people I spoke to who were saying, like, no, what is the tenderloin of a chicken? That doesn't make any sense. And it turns out, it appears that uh, chickens do have tenderloins, and that is what a tender is. It's sort of that separated piece of uh, under the breast. So. Uh, Chickens have tenderloins and tenderloins are tenders, which are tendies, which is somehow still this ongoing discussion.
1: Yeah. Sorry, Amanda. (laughs) Yeah. And last point, we have found examples of people using the term nuggies instead of nugs in an account dedicated to chicken nugget arbitrage in fast food, wherein people find Deals like four nuggets for a dollar, six nuggets for two ninety nine, and they're taking advantage of the chicken nugget arbitrage. I mean, that
0: makes a lot of good sense. If that's your options, you should be ordering two four-pieces. We
1: have strong sure. opinions in we do. this country we do. about fried chicken units. <laughs>
0: <laughs> units.
1: I don't know. With that, house clean... Amanda is here to talk about serious things, not chicken nugget (laughs) arbitrage. That's Uh, right. Amanda, take it away.
2: We could actually probably talk about nuggies when we discuss my topic. Um, I want to do a deep dive (laughs) on like pets and people having pets because I have a zoo in my house like most of the Sylvain (laughs) people know. I have three cats. One was a foster fail recently. It literally took two weeks for us to be like, yeah, we're just going to take her.
0: Yeah, this is our
2: cat. <laughs> our <now. laughs> cat. And then I have a dog who's a Belgian Malinois, which is normally not a breed that people consider a household pet. Um, and because of that, I've been treating my animals like they're ch- my children. And it caused me to go into a deep dive of how much is too much, and how far
0: do you take it for your pets?
1: Oh my lanta!
0: Oh my lanterns!
1: <laughs> oh my lanta! How
2: much is too much for your pet?
1: I feel like if we thought if we thought chicken nuggets was gonna be controversial, like right, this is maybe are, we, the we are in a minefield. <laughs>
0: This might be the one other thing that is as, if not more, controversial than the tendies topic. It is because, well, so first we have to think about what are the ways in which you can go too far.
1: Yeah, have pet. you crossed? Like, you like feel what would like be the, the most contentious? The
0: I know.
2: So, no offense to anyone listening that actually does this for their pets, but like. I was in a nail salon the other day and there was a woman that had something that looked like a baby carriage. And I was like, that's so like sweet. Like she's a mother and she's like making time for herself and pampering. And all of a sudden I hear like whimpering and it's not like a human child whimpering. It's like a little puppy whimpering. And I'm like, and you can – I can see her physically, like, taking the car and being like, Shh, it's okay, like, shushing oh, the baby. And oh, I'm like, boy. okay. So I had to get up and wash my hands and I, like, take a little peek. And it's, like, two dogs in a baby carriage. No. <laughs> and I was just nope. like, like, I understand I that carriage for, like, dogs that have, like, issues with their, like, legs and they can't walk far and you want – them to be outside. But like if your dog is perfectly healthy and you're putting it in this (laughs) baby carriage looking thing, I think that's gone too far. I've also seen people and this was in Paris. This guy had a like a baby Bajorne and there was a Yorkie
1: a Yorkie Inside. and a baby Bjorn?
0: Oh, like yes. on the yes. in the pouch, like on shopping. the front of the chest. Like he and his wife oh. were
2: shopping, and the dog <laughs> is just like dangling from the baby carrier, uh, and they're I just
1: like Facing
0: out or in? Facing out.
1: Yeah, it just looks like additional leg, additional chest appendages. I've actually seen that uh, a few people in New York when I'm riding my bike that have, like, a dog just strapped to their chest and, like... Yeah. You know, you tend to be, like, uh, more prone over your bike, like, hang, so the dog's legs are just, like, <laughs> dangling down, mostly vertical <laughs> and, like, looking <laughs> forward, which I find entertaining. I don't know that I have a strong opinion. But the 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 thing that I'm coming back to in... This, as you brought up those two examples, is who is this for? I think that might be like an interesting question as it relates to like how far is is too far, how much is too much is are you doing these things for you, or are you doing these things for the animal?
0: Right, and is there such a thing as like too much for you, like arguably, if your dog is willing to tolerate a costume. Yeah. That could provide outsized joy to you. <laughs> and and maybe that's enough. But what's interesting is that middle ground of insisting that something is for the creature when maybe that is misguided. Is that what's underneath this?
2: Yeah. I don't know. Like, I will have to say that I am guilty of putting like a bow tie on my dog <laughs> or like a cute little handkerchief.
1: <laughs> Accessories. <laughs>
2: Short-lived because they he like grabbed it off his neck and like ripped it apart and I mean I deserve that because it's he shouldn't be wearing any <laughs> like if I found my dog in the middle of the woods as a wild animal he's not approaching me with a bow tie on.
0: <laughs> like hey uh, uh,
1: <laughs> d- is that dog wearing an ascot uh, <laughs> yes I mean it it is I I think. There, it's worth also sort of interrogating some of the context too, right? When I when I bring up that question of is this for the dog or is this for you? I think the role that animals play and, and dogs being in that cohort of, of sort of house pets, uh, the role that they play for people today is quite different for any number of. Uh, sort of societal shifts that we've had over the years. I think you, ahead of the show, brought up, like, I don't know whether I'm planning to have kids. And, Mm -hmm. you know, currently, like, my animals sort of fit within the context of, like, children in my life. They're, like, things I care for. Like, uh, you know, I have responsibility to them, all of that. But I think in that same context, when people aren't having children or or like social support there's also the other part of this where uh in a society that is contending with increasing levels of anxiety and and so on like dogs yeah. are playing a working role in a context that historically they haven't worked right historically they were hunters or protectors and now they are you know like therapy dogs and service dogs We can talk separately about people Mm -hmm. pushing those limits maybe too far, but I think that idea of like uh, are they helping people and are you hurting the animal, like it's sort of like if you haven't crossed those two lines, I guess it's it's like live and let live. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and it's like how do you know when you've crossed that line? Like I can give my mother, I love you, mom, (laughs) as a perfect example of this, like when my brother and I moved out, she was, like, an empty nester, and we were, like – she was sad. Like, she's had her kids in her life this entire time, and all of a sudden you're coming home and you don't have of any course. responsibility. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. So one yeah. birthday, my brother and I decide, like, she's really sad. She keeps, like, texting us. Let's get her a dog. So it's her birthday. We I bring her to this place in Brooklyn, and they're known for, like – um, Yorkie rescues and like small dog rescues, so she picks out this Yorkie and she's in love. She's like so ecstatic. Like the calls getting fewer and fewer. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this woman it's working. I kid you not. This dog had a wardrobe. Like he had hoodies and he had chains and he had different harnesses for like different seasons. And the co- no, I'm not even kidding. It was just getting so crazy. Like he had. A section in her closet, like he had more <laughs> clothes than anyone that I know. Like even myself put together, and I love clothes. So I was just like, "Am did we create like this person?" But I think it was just like very comforting for her, and she took it as like, "You're my new child. Like I don't have my mm-hmm. babies anymore. I want something that like I can take care of and needs me." And this dog. Like no one wanted to watch him when she was away because it was like a list of things to be responsible for, even though you I know how to take care of a dog. He would come with like a weekender bag and it was like his bowls for traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure and he wouldn't go outside unless he had a, a hoodie on. Like, he knew, like, I, it's, he knew, like. He, I'm naked. Yeah, he knew, like, he would look at, like, I would wake up, like, half asleep, all right, let's go for your walk, and he would just stare at the door, like, uh, no, and I'm like.
0: I'm not even dressed. And then I would go
2: back to the notes, make sure you put his jacket on, and then I, he would sit for me, I would put his jacket on, and then he would be ready to go out the door.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean.
0: That's really extraordinary.
1: I mean, you, you have. <laughs> a working dog, right? A Belgian Malinois is a working working dog. dog, right? Bred to have a job. And there's sort of within people who work with working breeds or have working breeds as pets, there's an understanding that you can't have a working job and not, or a working dog and not give it a job. Exactly. If a working dog doesn't have a job, they lose it right? They become mm-hmm. neurotic. They don't have a way to vent it. There's something interesting about thinking about certain types of people within those contexts. And even, even like you said, right, if you have, you are a mother, but then you don't have to care for your children anymore. Like the context of like, where do I put this energy? Or, like, yeah, I, my I have Humans are dogs with jobs over the past, like 20 plus years to care for, yeah living beings and now I don't have it like where does this go and that Mm -hmm. ability to sort of ventilate that focus and and like working energy is is like a a way of thinking about this that I haven't like some people are sort of instinctually have that drive even if they don't have children they are you know nurturing or maternal or language that we would use to describe a certain type of of characteristic of someone's personality and it's like if I have those things and I don't have somewhere to put it like I gotta Mm -hmm. put it somewhere you know like
2: I, I have those characteristics that my mother has like my mom is a giver she takes care of people so I understand why she took on his name was Wiz by the way Wiz and was her everything which is and the bond that they had was like truly incredible and it wasn't until and i we spoil our animals like i grew up loving animals my entire life so you know i've always treated animals like they're babies like i talk to them in baby voices like it's i'm crazy i get crazy like i love them but <laughs> i'm a monster <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm a fur mother like but when i got saga who's our working line dog um he w- was trained for the military and then didn't make it past the last step because he's not aggressive enough for what they were looking for. So when I met him and we adopted him, you know, all the trainers were like, what are you doing with him? Like, you need to like be tough. And he's he's a wild animal. Like they are. They're super intelligent. You know, they need a working purpose. So his energy levels were insane. And it wasn't until I got him that I started to shift the way I do treat my animals do I baby him and talk to him in a baby voice? Absolutely, he loves it. He loves it, and people are like, he can rip anyone's face off, and you're just like, oh my god, what are you doing today? And he's like, and he's looking at me like all excited, like hi hi, and everybody's like, that dog is like an eighty pound like killer. But I've shifted my focus with him because you know, at the end of the day, they do need boundaries. And I've noticed more and more that people are getting this breed, which is unfortunate because of like the movies that are coming out about them. And everybody's like, they're so cool. They're so like uh, uh, um, driven dogs, like, and they just don't know how to handle them. So now like my focus shifted. And when I do see like pet owners and they, I find myself like judging them all the time when I see like owners on the street that have a different breed than mine right now, the all we have is doodles around us. And I see like owners not putting them on leashes or just like doing things. And I find myself like when they do something close to me, I'm like, S- move your dog out of the way. Like get your dog away from my dog. And they and people get offended. But I'm like, people are not understanding. Like at the end of the day, every dog is a wild animal. You can't, they can be, he's controlled and he is super trained. But I'll tell you one thing. If he sees a squirrel, he's going to go get it. Like yeah. there's like different boundaries that people don't understand. So I've just shifted focus completely on how I treat my animal because you have to like to protect yourself, the animal and people around you.
1: Yeah. I mean, in particular, right, like dogs can do a lot of damage. Not to say cats can do a lot of damage, but yes. I think like uh it's more psychological in in nature than than physical maybe uh but the i think that idea of you know there's a there's a trap in anthropomorphizing you know treating our animals as if they are humans and dogs in particular have been sort of uh hybridized alongside us and and co-evolved for depending on who you talk to, like 35 to a hundred thousand years of mul you know, many, many generations of like the fact that you talk to him like a baby, like dogs are, are evolved to respond to baby talk in the way that human babies are. Uh, mm-hmm. And their morphology has changed the set of their eyes, the way that they can express emotions, like all of those things, but they are not humans. And I think what there is sort of, that comes back to that question of, you know, is this for you or is this for them? And I think in the, con- you know, whether you're a bird owner or a cat owner or, you know, you have some pet rodent or whatever it is, it is sort of like returning to the context of like treat them within the context of their species as opposed to trying to treat them like humans. It doesn't change any expectation of what types of relationships or bonds you can build with them. But I think, you know, not pretending that, that, you know, that you brought up like the leash point. They're like, oh my, you know, people will walk dogs and be like, oh, not my dog. My dog's great. And meanwhile, like the dog is like attacking someone else's (laughs) dog and they're off leash. And it's like, it's fine. Dogs are dogs in the same way that like kids are kids. Like, you know, if you're walking around with, A toddler like it is just every moment is on the precipice of like some form of destruction and or mess or like meltdown and like that's just how toddlers are um but when you're yeah like the the idea of like a dog in a baby carriage that isn't disabled or these other things is like that's that doesn't sound like it's a thing for the animal it sounds like it's a a thing for you and trying to become cognizant of of those boundaries, uh, you know, of making sure, like, you're caring, right? Like, at the end of the day, that's, that's what this all comes down to, is, like, caring for a non-human creature.
0: Mm-hmm. This is what was really interesting in the last year, um, my mom's dog of... Um almost ten years ish or so um got sick, and as the dog worsened in her condition, like there were certain things that she just like had a really hard time with, and the biggest one was eating, like eating was so like she just like wouldn't eat most of the time or like if we would go on walks with her she would like eat grass which you know is like a thing a stomach a dog does if they're like their stomach is upset or you know like clearly it was a a challenge and so my my mom also one of those innate nurturer types took to cooking at home for the dog which I think brings us to some things that you've been thinking about Amanda but um, you know the, the dog Coco got increasingly particular like not just i want homemade hamburger but i want it made to order <laughs> <laughs> like like i i won't eat it unless it's cooked right now and and like fresh uh and i also want it to be hand hand fed to me so it's less intimidating like i i grappled with this to be honest cuz part of me was like you know this is a sick dog and you want the dog to eat and you like, you want to take care of the the dog. And another part of me, I was like, is this what us humans have done (laughs) to dogs to like get it to the point where this, you know, this is what we do. And, you know, my mom is a saint and took care of this dog for a year before she passed. But it was like, I was like, this is so, this is so much and it's working, but like, my goodness, the, like, is this, is this something that we have created in some way or in, in others? I, like, is that actually a more natural state for a dog if they are really dependent on somebody else, let alone a human? Um, I, yeah, it just like that really got me thinking. Yeah,
2: they're definitely dependent on us 100%. But I feel like if Saga like left and I let him out into the wild, he would 100% survive. He'd, like, come back with a pack of, like, coyotes or something. Like, this is my, <laughs> like, this is my crew now. <laughs> like, I do feel like they still have that instinctual, like, to them. Like, you know, even mm-hmm. no matter what the breed is, they're, like I mentioned before, they're still a wild animal. Like, I know for a fact, like, we have someone in our building that has, like, a mini herding dog. Like, she's so tiny. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, my hand size. I, I've never seen one that size. Wow. And it's, yeah, and it's pretty wild because the other day the owner was talking to Tommy, like, I can't get her to, like, like, stop doing circles. And he was like, yeah, I know you, like, pay for this, like, tiny little thing, but she actually needs, like, a job. But and she's like,
0: herding. That's her yeah. job is to and go like, in
2: circles. <laughs> yeah. He's like, she's a hurting dog and she needs a purpose, so you need to start, like, doing things with her, like – So they did, and she's calmed down a lot, and she's been, like, relaxed. But I'm like, this is what, like, I'm talking about. Like, we bring in these dogs into the world and, like, think because they're so beautiful. There's, like, give them a purpose. Do something. But as far as, like, the food stuff goes, I went on this whole dive during COVID because I was super bored, and I wanted to, like, figure out. Should I be making my dog home-cooked meals? Because I grew up seeing my grandmother cook for her dogs my entire life. And they lived till, like, they were 22 years old. I'm not kidding. They were two Shih Tzus. I remember they got one when I was a newborn, and he was still alive when I was 17. Like, we celebrated our birthdays together. And she never gave them kibble. So are there amazing health benefits to giving your dog, like, a cooked diet versus like whatever processed products were kind of like think is good for them because it's just mass media and it's always like on the television, great commercials like Blue Buffalo and all that stuff. And you see a healthy dog running, but like, is it actually good for your dog? Mm-hmm. And I, I did all the research and we spoke to one handler and he he gives his dog a raw food diet, like completely raw. So even the, the cook stuff, it's like he's like they're not in the wild cooking their meal for themselves, cooking. adding in like, you know, hemp seeds and all these things. He's like they forage for that, like they're foraging. So what we normally do is we have a relationship with a butcher in town and we get all the scraps, like the chicken backs and all the chicken products that are not used, and we grind it down in blenders and add a bunch of veggies and, like, raw yogurt. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, like, a whole thing. Like, raw yogurt, like, not, yeah. Like, and that's his food. And it kind of resembles, like, a wet food that you would buy in a can, except I know exactly what I'm putting in their stuff. Yeah,
1: I mean, I used to, I have, like, two points. One, like, the the co-evolution point was like dogs aren't wolves and they evolved alongside humans who have to cook their food. And so there, there's like some hybridizing there where they were used to eating cooked food, like alongside a campfire type of thing as well. But the, I used to do like something similar, just like I would buy expensive kibble when I had three big dogs, I would get like Origin, which was like a mm-hmm. hundred bucks for like a twenty five pound bag or something like that, but then I would just buy like chicken hearts or gizzards or like livers and and some like carrots or things like that to just put it in like a a crock pot and like long boil it and then put it in the fridge and mix it in just as like combo to keep them mm-hmm. m- motivated to eat and all of that and like i think there there's sort of a component to that conversation that I always feel like the the kibble today is not like gravy train kibble that we had like when i was a kid that my dogs got that was just, just like literally like <laughs> chicken scented cardboard you know like <laughs> if, if you're buying like any like reasonable dot you know like blue buffalo or whatever the other ones are uh like they are complete nutrition so it's not you know it's not like the things that were around when when or at least i say we when i was younger um but at the same time you know like i now i don't do that anymore my dog is like significantly smaller but i'll pour like chicken broth or like do like table scraps that aren't you know harmful like extra meat or like the cartilage off of something that we're eating and just mix it in like I think that's still like to your point about caring like people care for each other with food <laughs> like we're animals mm-hmm. and and so like it It all seems reasonable I think the part that gets like dicey is when people like moralize about it right like oh you I love my dog and you don't love your dog because I do like <laughs> x or that like that there is some sort of aspect of like superiority in it, and the same thing happens with like parenting, by the way, or like how you run your house or how you dress. Like it's, it's true, like, hu- humans do that to each other. But I think, you know, my my perspective is is very much like do what you want. Like I don't care. I'll do what I want, and you do what you want, and we'll just like go about our business.
0: Well, yeah, and you know. That is that's part of the responsibility of having your own creature, right? Is like you're you're gonna get to know it. Like if if you know that like they're getting antsy because they don't have a job and they're supposed to, like, you gotta go job hunting for this <laughs> yeah, dog, or like, oh, you can tell that your dog is sick and needs to be hand fed like bites at a yep. time. It's like, all right, like they're okay, like know your dog. I feel like though where it gets where it gets like funny is when like you said inevitably with parenting where you're just like my method could not be more different than (laughs) this other being's methods like wow shocking how how different maybe i would do things but i don't know i it's fair to say a part of this is just like you kind of have to trust that that's the person who knows this creature the best in theory yeah um Balanced with any, I guess, balanced with maybe this other piece you're talking about, Amanda, of, like, just, like, pure education, of, like, getting to know the history of the dog, uh, the history of this breed, like, I don't know, the, you know, behaviors that you misunderstand because you anthropomorphize and actually what you think is being cute is actually being submissive and afraid. Like, that, that t- there's, like, the educational side, and then there's just, like, I don't know, just, you gotta listen to what you think. You know, listen, listen, yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, the education part's huge. Like I think like I've always thought, like, oh my God, dogs are so cute, like I just want to pet them, I want to hug them. And then after like doing all this research and realizing and reading books, like it's so crazy to see how like especially the Belgian Malinois world treats their animals. Like, in the beginning, I would watch videos, and I'm like, this is, like, inhumane. Like, they're treating these animals like animals. Like, how dare they? Like, why would they do that? Like, why are they treating them? None of them
0: were them- talking in babies? Yeah, like, why are they treating
2: them like this? And then, like, you know, dealing, like, with – we had um, a second Belgian Malinois because this one was so great. We thought, let's do it all over again. Like, we never had it at a puppy stage. The worst mistake we've ever made in our life. Like, that's when – we thought we knew the breed, but that was like a true Belgian Malinois, a true working dog. And I we had him for two years, and the trainers that picked him up were like, I don't know how you dealt with him for two years. Like he didn't have a purpose, so he became super aggressive. And we kind of thought he was gonna be like a sport line, like Saga was, but he was he wanted something to do. And that's when I started learning from the trainers, like breaking up a fight with dogs instinctually. We want to go and be like, get off, get off, get off. He was like, but they actually have to do that to determine who's alpha and they'll never go after each other again. And I was like, yeah, I will never watch my babies fight. (laughs) No. And they were like, you have to like one of them has to be louder than the other. Like they're not going to take it far. Like people think because their bark is like louder And their bite is not there. They're like, they know how to handle it. One of them has to submit at one point. I was like, oh, like things like that still to me, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. But we recently like tested the theory out with um, my sister-in-law's German Shepherd. He's also a male, doesn't like my dog. And we just let them like kind of bark it out. And now they're just like, they coexist. They're like, whatever, like, you know who's alpha and it's over. It's pretty wild. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think in the end, right? In the end, it's like let a dog be a dog. And I, the thing that you brought up, too, is like you sought out advice. The like, last parenting thing that I would connect it to is the one of the things I'd read about parenting – Like around the time when I had a young kid, is like the way that we treat it now in society is like you kind of have to figure it out on your own. There's lots of books and whatever, but like because you're not like living in multi generational homes the way we used to, and you don't have like shared care in every instance, you figure it out by yourself. And then you're like, I solved this puzzle. (laughs) Like I know so much now. I want to share this with someone like I have this expertise and I have nowhere to put it. And so the the sort of unhealthy version of that is like the person who is like perpetually telling you how to like raise your kid or whatever, where the healthier version is like waiting until someone asks, like your neighbor asks your husband about like, what do I do with this thing? And then you, you give it. But when you were talking about the cooking and everything too, I was thinking about like we do this in 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 food stuff as well or fitness or whatever like you figure out your system you figure out your machine you're like i I got it to work it worked for me like i want to tell somebody like how to do it and it's like you can't (laughs) like their kid is different their body is different their pet is different it's like the the waiting to share and and the not moralizing part I think just like makes it better and and makes it so you're not like I don't know you don't get into that um like judgmental mode or like not yeah. make friends because you're running around being like actually you should hold your leash like this or you should I cook your own dinner or like did have you considered a raw food diet let me tell you about keto <laughs> you know like
2: yeah. There's a fine line and I know when to cross and when not to. And it's usually I cross it when someone asks my opinion. I keep exactly. it to myself because like what works for me works for me. I've done a lot of my due diligence. I did a lot of research. I've spoken to professionals. I know what works for my dog. And my mom, she knew what worked for her and Wiz. Like, did I laugh about it? Yes. But I actually loved how much she <laughs> loved that dog and what she did for him and. He lived a long, healthy life. He was loved. He was super happy. Dressed better than a lot of people that I know. <laughs> Me,
1: certainly, it sounds. <laughs> yeah,
2: like. like his. I have to find pictures and show you guys later. Like puffer coats with like faux fur, like things like that. I didn't even know they sold things like that for dogs, but <laughs> Cus- you know,
1: custom made.
2: Yeah, but I do draw the line at the the carriage thing, which my mother would have been one of those. <laughs> You're like that's a no. Yeah, one of my mother would have been one of those people that got it because she texted me one day. She was at Home Goods. She was like, "Look, it's on sale," and I was like, "Absolutely not." I was <laughs> like, "You can buy him a million t shirts. You can put a chain on him. You can put glasses on him. He had little biker goggles when she would go biking so with tolerant. him." So <laughs> tolerant. I was like, "But not." <laughs> A carriage. I was like, yeah. he can walk completely fine. He needs exercise. Just no.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Jess, I think this is a time to bring us to our wrap up corner, the, the bark up corner, the <laughs> the dog run. What what is this?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Chase <laughs> our tail.
0: <laughs> uh, chasing our tails corner. Um. I think it's it's really telling that we have over the course of this conversation mentioned so many personal stories of relationships between humans and dogs because the truth is like that's where we started and you know continued to revisit that it it's always the tale of the tale of the dog <laughs> versus, versus the human and balancing their needs trying to inform yourself uh as well as intuiting what you need to know about your own personal relationship with that creature and yeah you might in that process develop many opinions that may be objectively correct like <laughs> the carriage use case but but i think that um i think that what it what it shows is maybe corny but it it's that degree of care that i i can already tell from both of you as as two like serious creature owners i would say like both of you put like so much care and take so much responsibility over your over your pets and i think that's like that's the main thing of it all like if if you if you really want to have a pet and want to do right by them and also want to you know that that relationship is meaningful to you then that's really like what's behind all of this stuff um and hell if you want to if you want to make the butcher puree and you want to you want to jacket it up like yeah I go think for it
1: I think Cheryl Crow said it best if it makes you happy it can't be that bad <laughs> critical nonsense is a Sylvain production
0: brought to you by Eric Repair's pet food shop <laughs> full of pet food by Eric Repair <laughs>
1: I can't tell if your French accent is better or worse than mine. As always, we'd I like think
0: to... this is a fake one. Maybe <laughs> I should try harder next time.
1: We'd like to thank our executive producer and professional impersonator, Jess Vander, as well no, as... No, we'd also... <laughs> oh, yeah, you go. Well, I'm going to say, otherwise we're going to screw up the order. <laughs> also, go. our uh, special guest and uh, queen of the dogs, Amanda Medina.
2: It's been fun.
0: We'd also like to thank sound engineer and, um, you're not, you're not a dog. Alex Contel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to thank our programming coordinator. And if he was a dog, a bulldog, Les Jacobs.
0: And hey, you cats and kittens, special thanks to our production crew. Sorry, Gilbert and Norm Mestrich.
1: And as always, thank you, sorry, Len. Sorry, Lynn. Special thanks to To quizzes quizzes that tell you what type of breed of dog you are.
0: (laughs) Have you taken one? Uh,
1: I think I'm a border collie is what I've, I I think, determined of my own volition. (laughs) But you feel free to correct me. I think I, whatever it is, I think I'm a herding dog.
2: Yeah, I can see that. I got shepherd, so that fits
0: in. Special thanks to that incredible unstudied phenomenon where people look like their dogs. That just is the best. That's just the best.
1: Does my dog start to look like me or do I start to look like my dog? (laughs) I should get a perm. Uh,
0: If you walk around and observe, people absolutely look like their dogs. 100. Oh, man.
1: probably. now i'm gonna be looking for it great new challenge babe wake up new challenge just dropped
0: <laughs> amanda what is the new uh fitness thing we should know about and give thanks to special thanks to solid
2: core keeping me strong <laughs> with a solid core
1: <laughs> solid Sorry, core. Wait. Salad core, salad, (laughs) salad. I was like salad, salad core. Were you abs
2: core and eat salad? Uh,
1: (laughs) Just like shaking, tossing a a salad aggressively. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we did it. We did it. All right, love you, mean it. Bye. All of it. Thanks.
0: Bye.